Hello, and welcome to Scry. I am the Seer, your host into this glimpse into the Obsidian Mirror. Your medium sent forth to conjure true tales of paranormal activity. In this episode, I shall call forth four true tales of real encounters with the supernatural. But enough about me. It is the stories that you have come for. So let's go ahead and dive into our first tale. Shared by Deputy SC, here is his encounter of what happened one night while on patrol in a small community. Here is something I experienced while at work. I'm a law enforcement officer and was called to this guy's house who was probably seeing a ghost. Although I didn't think much of it at the time, not until shortly after, when I started watching television shows like Ghost Hunter and Paranormal Witness, where they talk about shadow figures appearing. I worked in a very busy high crime area and then was promoted and reassigned to an area with little activity. It's mostly rural. And this was about three and a half years ago. There were maybe five of us on a squad assigned to a certain region. Two of my coworkers got dispatched to this house in reference to a suspicious person for the second time. However, this time, Dispatch mentioned the caller saw someone inside. I hear them arrive on scene, and then shortly after that, they clear up and begin taking other calls and doing their own thing. About 40 minutes later, the call comes out again, except I am dispatched, since the units who went the first few times were now busy with something else. I called one of the guys to inquire why we keep getting called to this same place. He said it's an old man who's maybe seen things. So this time, we get an ambulance to respond, also just to check him out. The ambulance arrived before me. I knew this because dispatch called me saying that EMS responders are asking me to step it up because they saw someone inside the guy's house. They tossed the old man in the back of the ambulance, which is against policy without strapping them in, and they drove a few blocks down to wait on me. So now I pick my step up a little bit and make sure I have a backup unit coming so we can clear this guy's house if someone is inside. I meet with the ambulance driver, EMS said that they met the guy at the end of his driveway. If you're standing in front of the house, the front door has two long narrow windows on either side of it and you could see into the living room straight ahead. If you took a right, you would be going down the hallway where all the bedrooms were. And if you take a left, you would be going into the kitchen dining room area. And of course, straight ahead was the living room. So the EMS guy said they met the guy at the end of the driveway and they noticed someone in the living room peeking around from behind the entertainment center. Then it ran towards the front door 
and hid behind it. It kept peeking at them through the narrow glass windows. Then it darted away from the door and took a right, going down the hallway towards the bedrooms. Then they saw the blinds splitting like someone was peeking through them. Now my backup had arrived. We went inside and cleared the entire house. The outside of the house was all locked up, with the exception of the front door that the old guy walked out of to meet EMS, so no one could have made it inside without them seeing. The guy is probably in his early 70s, but he doesn't seem to have any mental issues whatsoever. He's answering all the questions, and there's no obvious signs of any age-related issues. And this is where it really gets creepy. I asked the old guy what he saw when the other officers came out. I see these things now. He was sitting in his bedroom reading a book. In his backyard, he noticed a figure standing there. He looked away for a second, and then when he looked back, the figure was standing right in front of his window, looking inside. The second time the officers came out, he called because he sat down to read his book again. This time, he noticed something moving out of the corner of his eye in the hallway outside his room. When he looked, he saw a dark, shadow figure of a man standing in his hallway, glaring at him. And this house was in the middle of nowhere. It's 1.30 a.m. His closest friends and family live like 30 minutes away. I tried to talk the guy into maybe going to spend the night somewhere else, like with family, friends, or even a motel, but he wouldn't do it. Finally, we got in touch with the guy's son, who came and spent the rest of the night with the guy inside the house. There were no more calls that night. That tale certainly had the creep factor that brings goosebumps to your flesh. Thank you for sharing that with us, Deputy SC. That tale is truly creepy, and there's just something about shadow people that just makes our skin crawl. It makes me wonder what book the old man had been reading. The Necronomicon, perhaps? While we are on the subject of shadow people, let's go ahead and dive into our next story. Shared by Steve BA4, in which he tells of witnessing a shadow figure while on guard duty. Here is his tale. I was a barely 18-year-old boot at combat school, pulling the 0100 to 0500 guard duty shift on a chilly winter night back in 1992. It just so happened, on this particular night, I was way out in BFE at the demo range, with nothing but my Walkman 
and my new Allison Chains tape to keep me company. Here are the following details of that fateful night when I learned that ghosts exist. First, I should probably describe the setting. Forgive me if my estimations of distance aren't exact. This was more than half a lifetime ago for me. I was in a guard tower. It was probably 30 feet or so tall. There was a fixed spotlight at the front of the tower that threw maybe a 100 degree spread of light. Directly in front, 40 yards or so away, there were two bunkers which housed the demo. There were these old school bunkers with grass on top of them. They each had four or five steps which led down to a locked metal door. To the far left of the light's reach, there was woods and a dirt road. To the far right, the bay. In the middle, dirt. Basically, the bunkers were the center of attention. The back of the guard tower was not lit. There were rusty metal stairs leading to an even rustier metal gate. Beyond the gate was nothing but wire obstacles, woods, and darkness. So there I am, standing in the guard tower, when I hear the gate creak open, followed by the sounds of footsteps coming up the stairs. I investigate, but nothing is there. I logically chalk it up to the wind. Well, the creaking in the footsteps continued off and on for an hour or so. Every time I turned to check, nothing was there. I just knew it had to be the wind. Only thing is, that it only happened when my back was to the stairs. At this point, I was starting to get a little freaked out, but surely it was a combination of wind and shitty old metal steps. So I slapped on my headphones and I focused on the lighted area. I periodically checked over my shoulder, even though any noises were drowned out by my Walkman. Nothing was ever there. At some point, I glanced over at one of the bunkers. And that's when I saw it. Someone had just walked down the stairs to the bunker entrance. That couldn't be what I just saw, could it? Off come the headphones, and into the chamber goes around. Halt! Who goes there? Nothing. Another challenge. Still, nothing. Did someone just break into the demo bunker while I was dicking around listening to my Walkman? Oh man, I was going to get in big trouble. I could see the door was still secure when someone just materialized in front of it and walked back up the stairs. By someone, I mean a dark shadow resembling a person. Thanks Spider-Man if his suit was jet black. There was definitely substance to this body, yet 
a nothingness at the same time. When it got to the top of the stairs, it turned around, walked back down, and disappeared at the front of the door. It repeated this motion several times, all the while with me yelling, Halt! Who goes there? So at this point, I've been shouting at this entity over and over for a few minutes. It has made several trips up and back down the bunker stairs, showing no signs of noticing me. I contemplate radioing the guard shack, but what would I say? They'd either think I was nuts, drunk on duty, or a pussy. After a few more minutes, it stopped halfway down the stairs and started dancing. What the fuck? Is this thing taunting me? Well, it didn't take long to figure out it wasn't actually dancing. It was standing on a step with its arms at waist level, swaying them back and forth. Kind of like a hula girl dance. In retrospect, it was as if it was in an invisible chain of people handing boxes down the stairs. Maybe some demo went off at some point in the past, killing someone, and this was just a residual thing. I don't know. Well, actually I do know, because it finally noticed me. It stopped what it was doing and walked back up the steps. There it stood, looking at me. At least it felt like it was looking at me. Like I said, this thing was just a solid black void. There was no face for me to see. But if there was one, it would have been looking squarely at me. I don't know how long we actually stared at each other, but it felt like an eternity. Then I heard the gate open, and even heavier footsteps start coming up the stairs. I spin around with my M16A2 pointed towards the steps. I'm telling you, if anyone had been standing there, be it the Corporal of the Guard, the Commandant of the Marine Corps, or even my own mother, I would have pulled that trigger. That's how scared I was at that point. The footsteps stopped, and I was staring at an empty staircase. It dawned on me that there was still a threat behind my back, so I turned back toward the bunker. Here's where I almost shit my pants. He was no longer on the bunker steps. Now, he was about 15 feet in front of the bunker. 15 feet closer to me. He's just standing there like Tim Robbins right after he crawled out of the pipe in the Shawshank Redemption. Arms to the side and looking up at the tower. Anyway, my sights are trained on this empty void of a man when the gate slams shut. And I mean slams shut. I whip around. Nothing. Whip back around. He's gone.
The rest of my shift was uneventful. I did a radio check just to hear another human's voice, and eventually 0500 rolled around and the van came to pick me up. I didn't say anything to anyone about it. The next night, I was on a different post. Well, we picked up a few other guards and then drove to post number five. Post five was the furthest out and was always picked up last. I just kept my eyes closed as we rolled to the foot of the tower. When the guard was relieved, he got in the van and sat next to me. He had a look on his face, well, like he had just seen a ghost. A thousand yard stare from him all the way back to the guard shack. The next day, after much coaxing, I get him to tell me his story. It pretty much boiled down to a shadow man dancing on the bunker steps. He hadn't heard the footsteps or the gate, but apparently this shadow man stayed on the same step doing his dance for the majority of his shift, randomly fading into and out of existence. A few days after my experience, we were all sitting around the guard shack watching Quantum Leap. After the show ended, the corporal of the guard was bitching with the sergeant of the guard about how many times he had been put on guard duty. Well, this guy was clearly not within Marine Corps weight guidelines, and I'm betting this had something to do with as many tours as corporal of the guard. I figured if anyone else had heard about strange goings on out at post five, it might be this guy. Keep in mind, I had not told anyone about my experience at this point. I didn't even tell the other Marine who had seen something the next night the whole story. I had just told him that I had seen some weird shadows. I decided to ask the corporal if he'd seen anything weird out at post five. You talking about the ghost? Was his reply. Here's a story he told me. He and the sergeant of the guard were trying to catch a marine sleeping on guard duty. They were sneaking up on the tower via the darkness to its rear. He said they got about 20 feet from the gate when they heard the kid in the tower shout, Halt! Who goes there? Being busted, he replied, Corporal of the Guard. He said the Marine in the tower was startled, looking over his shoulder at them, and then regained his cheek weld and trained his rifle to the front of the tower. The Guard clearly wasn't challenging them. The Corporal lowered his gaze and looked out to the clearing in between the front of the tower and the bunkers. Standing in the middle of the clearing was a solid black shadow. Well, out come their Berettas and their challenges. They start walking towards this shadow man with their pistols trained on it. He said they got maybe 10 yards from the shadow man when the spotlight shut off. Now, 
this spotlight doesn't have an on-off switch. It comes on at dusk and goes off at dawn. Anyway, he said the light was only out for a second or two. And when it came back on, all three of their walkies squelched and the shadow man was gone. He said a lot of guys had told him about seeing a weird shadow man near the bunkers. I told him I had seen something along those lines, but thought maybe it was them messing with me. Oh, we don't fuck with the armed posts. We don't want to get shot by some trigger-happy boot. On some of the posts, you only had a nightstick. For the demo range in the armory, you got an M16A2. I believed him, because if he had been standing on those stairs the night of my experience, he would have gotten a three-round burst of 556 to the chest. Steve BA4, your encounter is incredible. The fact that what you saw has been a reoccurring scenario witnessed by others makes it all the more interesting. While it initially sounds like a residual haunting, the change in the entity's behavior when it noticed you would suggest otherwise. Thank you for sharing that story. When we return, we will hear from Sticks and Stones about a series of encounters that he has had that are certainly bizarre. But first, a word from our sponsor. This is Edward October. It's Sunday morning and I'm here at a typical American home. But inside, Jen and Cam of our true crime podcast sit down to record their latest episode. Though Jen and Cam are lifelong friends, they approach true crime with the utmost professionalism. Their focus... So, 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 what do you... Highly articulate... Alachua, is that how you say it? Um, right. Alachua, like Joshua, but Alachua. Alachua. <laughs> you will Alachua onto my... And above all, compassionate. Honestly, I debated if I wanted to do this. And in the end, I decided it was important to honor this baby's short life. Every day, more folks wake up hungry for a true crime podcast. And our true crime podcast is enjoyed best by more people. So whenever you're downloading any podcast of any kind, be sure to download an extra episode of our true crime podcast. You'll like them. Available on all your favorite podcatchers or at OurTrueCrimePodcast.com. See this? The mouth, it gets me in trouble. Welcome back to Scry. So far, we have had two terrifying tales of encounters with shadow people. But now, we're going to look into a series of encounters that feature other entities including those known to be deceased, that are prophetic, bizarre, and just outright weird. Shared by Sticks and Stones, here is his encounter. I've had three or so isolated encounters that I believe are all related and possibly with the same thing. 
I grew up in a town called Kings Park on Long Island, New York. As a 12 to 15 year old, BMX bikes were all the rage. And during summers, three of my friends and I would travel all over the KP Sunken Meadow State Park. Now just for the record, Old Dock Road, which I always found to be creepy, with a mixture of dense woods and bizarre fauna, in that one could sense the woods were holding their breath, just waiting to pounce. But yet, seductive and inviting. And that appealed to me. It was a late afternoon August day, and I was pedaling back up Old Dock Road, and I knew that the back of my neck was sunburnt for sure. I stopped to catch my breath at the intersection of St. Johnland Road and Old Dock. And do you know those moments when things slow down and speed up all at the same time? And you're keenly aware of your heartbeat, your breathing, the buzz of each individual kind of insect, the vastness of the sky. I put down my backpack and rod at the side of the road and made the right turn to go up St. Johnland. I'd never been up that way. I just knew that it was still part of the hospital psychiatric grounds. I rode up about 50 feet, and I still had that feeling. And I guess I rode over some glass, and my front tire was done. I turned over the bike to see how bad it was, and the heebie-jeebies came on full force. I was moving in real time, but everything around me just fucking shut off. No breeze, no rustling trees, no insects. Jesus loves you. I look up and there's this older than dirt woman in a brown blouse and a long gray skirt, standing there with a big old black purse and an umbrella handle around her wrist. How's that? I ask. And she repeats, Jesus loves you. I noticed two things. Well, actually maybe three. The background noise hasn't kicked back in. Her mouth was like a rictus, like a wormhole burred into a rotted fruit with two or three pieces of corn as teeth. But the eyes, the eyes were so clear gray, kind, sharp, penetrating. You're going the wrong way, she said. Now, I'm not overly religious in the sense of man-made religions. I do believe there is some kind of higher authority. I'm an occult aficionado, witchcraft, druids, that sort of thing. Jesus loves me, huh? Where'd you come from? A nut house? She seems pissed at me that I'm not getting her message. She clicks her tongue and tells me that I need to get off the path. Get off the path. The background noise is restarted and I decide to turn around. Remember, 
I walked less than 20 paces to turn around to say something half-assed. And she ain't there. Now I'm spooked, like it's close encounters of the bedpan kind, and I grab my gear and start pushing my bike up Old Dock Road. I'm sweating like a pig when I'm coming up on the turn by the junior high, and I start shaking so bad I'm looking back and ahead, and I decide I'm going to hide in the woods. I had just gotten behind some thick shrubs and thicker trees, and I hear a loud, 30-second tire screech. A car had lost control and rolled right down the side of the road where I was walking. The second time I'd seen it was in one of the buildings we used to play Army and Dungeons and Dragons in on the old hospital grounds. It was pre-World War II, with bunkers and tunnels connecting all the buildings. I ended up in all places, the chapel, and that fucked up feeling comes in, and I'm just leaving the chapel down a short crop of stairs and open a door, and I hear a noise behind me. I step through the doorway and plow into this brown-haired hobo-looking guy, carrying a pigeon. He grabs me under the elbow and asks me what I'm doing in his house. What are you doing? Then I notice his eyes. Gray. He shakes me again, and I'm instantly thinking of that lady from a couple of summers back. I remember you he says, chuckling. I hear the background noise of my friends play fighting with sticks and aluminum garbage can lid shields. I shrug them off, and I hear, Life's not easy, you know. Not everyone makes it through without getting a few bumps. I tell him to fuck off and shove him. He bounces off the plain wall behind him. I run from the room, and I'm about to the hallway... When I hear, he loves you, don't forget, okay? I turn around to tell him to fuck off and die again, and I'm talking with nobody. The real fucked up part of it, the wall where I pushed him up against was bare, but now had nailed to it, spread eagle, the pigeon. And the third was right before my liver transplant. It was the guy next to me in my room. By that time, I was so bad and near death, I could see other people, plain as day, that were very sick. They had, like, a gray hue to them. We spoke about death, when to die, when to fight. A very strange conversation. I went to sleep that night and went into a 10-day coma. I dreamt I was on a ferry boat and that the nurses who were attending me were singers on stage. The boat was filled with famous people and people from my past. Then it dawned on me that everyone on board was dead. I saw my grandfather 
met my mother's father I never knew. And after dinner, my grandfather hugged me and said, have a good trip home. I awoke after a 10-day coma from ammonia buildup in my brain. And I'd never had a roommate at the hospital. As I said, I'm not overly keen on religion or anything man-made or sanctioned. I don't see that hue around dying people. That went away after the transplant. But every once in a while, I get that feeling when I'm in a throng of people. But I've yet to find those gray eyes. Sticks and Stones, thank you for sharing those experiences with us. There's something about that pigeon being nailed to the wall in such a rapid fashion that is creepy as hell. If you ever have another encounter with those gray eyes, let me know. We would all love to hear more. And now I shall conjure forth our final tale of the episode, a short experience that is shared by Hugh Jaff J, in which he relates an old family tale. This was related to me in the 1980s by my great-grandmother Carswell. She said one night she was on her way home from church in McRoberts, Kentucky in Wildcat Holler and a fog was all about. This was sometime in the 1930s. It was a small, rural coal mining town. As she was walking, she saw ahead of her one of her neighbors up ahead. The only problem was he had died the previous week. She yelled out to him, Hey, you ain't supposed to be out here. You died. He turned around, and she saw his eyes glowing, and he started moving towards her at a run, and she ran home. She got to the door with him chasing close behind, and she slammed the door on the ghost. My great-grandfather was sitting up reading by lantern light and asked her what was wrong, and she told him she saw their dead neighbor out yonder and that he chased her. He, of course, laughed it off and told her that she must be imagining things. She was scared to death and frantic, but he didn't believe her. A short time later, they took the lantern and moved upstairs to their bedroom. My grandpa put the lantern on the corner table, and when he did... The light illuminated the dead guy standing in the corner of their room, and the lantern blew out, and the room grew ice cold. They ran next door to a cousin's and spent the next few nights there. with that, it is time to bring this episode to an end and silence this seance of sound. 
I would like to thank everyone who shared a story that appeared in this episode and remind the rest of you listening that you can submit your own experiences at scrypod.com, scrypodcast at gmail.com, or leave us a message at 573-203-8668. Send in those encounters and help share the scare. And remember, all stories on Scry are purported to be true. I would also like to thank Mew and Shadow Vibe, who both have music that appears in this episode, courtesy of a Creative Commons license. Check out the show notes for more details on these amazing artists. My podcast recommendation for this week is Our True Crime Podcast. I stumbled across this podcast a few months ago when looking into some local tales and found their series on Ken McElroy. It was incredibly well-researched, and just as important, it was incredibly well-presented, which I've discovered is not unique to that series. Seriously, Jen and Cam, the hosts of our True Crime podcast, do a fantastic job with each episode, so be sure to check them out. But for now, it's once again time to banish all things dark beyond the veil. And as always, say goodbye. This is Scry.